Good people, Tom Pullen here. This is the Bible Truth Podcast. And for those on YouTube, the School of Obedience. Welcome. When a person dies, can they return as a ghost? Why are there haunted houses and haunted buildings? Why are there shrines that are controlled by ghosts or ancestral or ancient spirits? We want to talk about this today. So let's get straight into it. We hear of so many stories of haunted houses or haunted hotels, old mental asylums that are haunted, or old burnt-down hospitals that are haunted. We hear stories about how a couple was murdered in the house and they remained in that home until their death was avenged. We hear stories of how some people went mental, okay? They got mad. They went crazy after they killed someone. And people say it's because of a ghost that is tormenting them. We hear of vengeful spirits. For example, in the country where I live in Zimbabwe, they have something called Ngozi. And this is a spirit of vengeance which awakens in retribution. It's the spirit of a dead person that was murdered in cold blood. And this avenging spirit will torment the perpetrator's family until a traditional custom of Kuripa Ngozi takes place and simply these practices are done in order to appease the vengeful spirit. We look at the old Japanese culture and one of the Japanese ghosts, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's Onryu. Okay, this is a kind of spirit that is very frightening. And these are vengeful spirits that are almost always women who died experiencing betrayal, rage, hate or jealousy and they've returned to exact revenge. We look in Scandinavia, we talk about Mailing, and these are ghosts of small children that were left to die by their parents, and this is actually through an act of murder, and when such children died, their bodies would never be buried. Instead, they were left to scavengers, and this is where the problem starts. Okay, and then this restless child spirit jumps on the back of a lost traveler and demands to be taken to a graveyard, and as they get closer, they become heavier and heavier. Some say because they become more human as they get closer to consecrated ground. Others say it's because they suck the life from the force of their hosts. If the traveler buckles under their weight and can't continue, the myling kill them. And there's so many different stories from so many countries. We've got the Glastig of Scotland, the Pontianak of Indonesia and Malaysia, La Lorona of Latin America. I don't know if I've butchered the pronunciation of these names or these spirits, but these are said to be spirits of ghosts, ghosts that are wandering the earth, some because they are seeking vengeance, some because they are seeking a place of rest. They were abandoned and never given proper rest, some because they have committed to an assignment that was never fulfilled and they look for an individual that can help them fulfill the assignment and all these ghost stories and the ghost stories of, of golem and vampire spirits and spirits that come to watch over their loved ones and so on and so forth. Is this real? Because when it comes down to it, remember, these spirits people claim encounters with them. So it's not like it's just 
folk tales that have been told and passed from generation to generation, but people claim to have had experiences and encounters with these spirits. But you know what we've got to do? To prove if it's real or not, we've got to go to the Bible. So when a person dies, whether they are murdered or have an unfinished assignment or were betrayed or let down, or even if they were a good person and they're coming back to watch over their loved ones, does this happen? Can the dead come back to life and walk around on this earth seeking retribution or protecting the ones they love? Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the book of Job chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. It says, As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. Can I read that again? As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. Okay, so somebody that dies and is buried in the grave, no more. Okay, they cannot return. Let's look at Ecclesiastics chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished, neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. So you see, even concerning vengeful spirits, it says there their hatred, their envy, everything is perished. When they die, they're gone, according to Ecclesiastics. All that hatred, they can have as much hatred. They can be in the middle of being murdered. They can vow vengeance and speak hatred, but they're not coming back. And then if we look at Psalms 146 and verse 4, the Bible says, His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, which means to the ground. In that very day, his thoughts perish. Okay, so according to Scripture, when somebody dies, that's it. Their thoughts, what's on their mind, their hate, their anger, their desire for vengeance, their envy, their desire to protect their loved one, everything is gone. They've left this world and there is no opportunity given by God for them to return in any way. Okay, so so I hope this is clear. These places that we say are haunted by the spirits, the wandering spirits of the dead, are not. It is not the spirits of the dead. Now, you've got to be thinking, you've got to be thinking, so Don, if these spirits cannot come back, what's all this about? What are all these spirits? What's this Ngozi about? What's this Meiling about? What are all these spirits about? Because people have documented accounts with these spirits. If the death cannot return for revenge or to haunt places or to protect their family, why are there places that are haunted? Why are there certain places that are shrines and there's a strong spiritual presence which the people of that area say are ancestors or 
warrior spirits or vengeful spirits. How did we get there? What are those things? We want to talk about that. There's something I need to clear up as well before we go on. People often say that there are wandering souls on the earth. These ghost stories. Now, people say that when they're traveling, you know, you're driving at night and you see a nurse. A lot of people have encounters with nurses. Some people say they see children dressed in white gowns. And these are people that were involved in accidents or murdered on their travels. So their spirits now wander the earth. There are no wandering souls. We've just read verses from the Bible that show you that the souls of people do not wander or remain in the earth. There's no mission that's fulfilled, okay? And they're not waiting to say goodbye to a loved one. So what are these wandering spirits? What are these spirits that people see when they're traveling and all? First of all, okay, make it simple. These wandering spirits that we see are fallen angels. We know this because when we read in Job chapter 2 and verse 2, the Lord said unto Satan, where do you come from? Okay, from where are you coming? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And then 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So you see that the prince of demons wanders the earth, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45, to 45, sorry, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he finds it empty, swept, garnished. Then goeth he, and he takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So we see the wandering spirits, those spirits that you see on the road. And yes, people have had legit encounters with those evil spirits. They have seen them. Some people even claim that these spirits cause accidents on the highway. I don't know about that, but people have seen them. But these are fallen angels and demonic spirits that are wandering the earth, looking for a place to possess looking for a place to make their own, looking for a shrine to establish themselves. Okay, so that's cleared up. There's no human souls wandering the earth. These are fallen angels. Now, let's talk about why some places appear haunted, why some places have spiritual dominance, especially these shrines and ritualistic places that are de dedicated to the ancients. And we can get a better idea of how this works from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Let's, let's have a look. Okay, now let me read this to you. It's actually Ephesians. We'll read from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, 
against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Did you hear that? If you didn't hear it nicely, read it again in your Bible, because that's what we want to explain about haunted houses and shrines where ancestral spirits are supposed to be. First of all, to fully understand the verse, we need to break it down and define the key words. This will give us a good base for understanding how this spiritual thing works and how this demonic activity works. First of all, the first word I want to look at is the word wiles. He says we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, wiles are devious or cunning schemes employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. That is the definition from the dictionary. And the Greek word methodia means traveling over and trickery or to lie in wait. So a planned trap, a planned trick to manipulate and deceive. So we've got to watch out for the plans of the devil because he wants to manipulate people into serving him, into doing his bidding and using them into spreading evil in the world because we know that the system of the devil stands against God. So that's the first word. The next word is principalities. Okay, now a principality, according to the dictionary, a state ruled by a prince. So an area is ruled by a demonic prince. That's what Paul says here. We wrestle against principalities. Now, when we read the Greek word, it's A-K, all right, A-R-C-H-A-Y, which means chief in order of time, place, or rank, the beginning, the corner, a magistrate, a power, a principality, a rule. Okay, so a principality is a rule, a spirit that is established itself to rule over individuals, a people, or a place. That's a principality. It rules over a people or a place. Let's move up in the rank here. Powers, important beings who have authority over others. So these are spirits that have authority over other spirits, but also authority over people. Now you're asking me, how did they get authority over people? The people gave them that authority. How did they do that? And we're going to talk about that later. But let me just throw this in by worshipping false gods, by worshipping ancestral spirits, by worshipping the spirits of the dead, by communicating with the spirits of the dead and reacting to that communication. You give them power over you. They have authority over you. And the word for powers is exousia, and that is superhuman, potent, a token of control, a delegated influence. Authority or jurisdiction, a spirit that has strength and a jurisdiction over a place or an area. And in a lot of ancient cultures, Chinese, Japanese, the Red Indians, and uh, cultures on the African continent in, in, in India, a lot of these ancient cultures, they have these spirits, these ancestral spirits 
that dominate and rule. And the next is a ruler. A ruler is a being exercising government or dominion. Government is an established order. Dominion is control. Rules, regulations that give that government power. You dominate over an area. So a government has the police. They enforce the law of that nation. And that's what makes the country or the place unique based on the government and the laws that are given over the people. And then dominion is established. You break the laws, you get punished. That's why you see in some of these places, they say that if you use a vulgar language or if you do any vile acts, you disappear in the mountains because there are rules in that place. That spirit governs in that place. We get the, the, the Greek word kosmokreto, okay, which means a world ruler. And this is an attribute of Satan, a world ruler, somebody who rules over entire place. Then he says we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now please note here, ruler here is the rulers of the darkness of this world. They do not rule in the light. They do not rule where the righteous are, but they rule the darkness of this world. And then spiritual wickedness in high places. This is an interesting one. Spiritual wickedness. What is wickedness? The quality of being evil. Okay. Morally wrong. Wickedness is to know what is right and to do the exact opposite. That is wickedness. The Greek word there is ponereia, which means depravity, malice, plotting sin, iniquity, high wickedness. You understand? So spiritual wickedness. There is a spiritual place of no morals. In fact, a place where evil is encouraged, a place of depravity. And then this spiritual wickedness is in high places. A high place is a position of power and authority. And then when we look at the Greek word, epuraneios, which means above the sky or celestial or in heaven. So in a spiritual place and in the celestial atmosphere. Okay, the Bible says that he's the prince of the air. So I, I hope we get that. If you didn't get it, just stop, rewind back to the beginning of the explanation and the definition of each of these words, wiles, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Because I need you to understand this so that we can go forward. As we see in this verse in Ephesians, fallen angels have power and authority over certain people and places. Their dominion is set over place and people because the people allow it. Normally people allow it because it's stories that are passed from generation to generation and it becomes a tradition or a part of the culture of that place. And because they believe so much in what these spirits have done and can do, that they then call them ancestral spirits or avenging spirits. So they then have fear of that spirit and fear in the demonic world, 
is equivalent to worship in the spirit world. In fact, they're actually not in the spirit world, in the, in the world of righteous. Worship and fear are almost the same thing, okay, because it's a high form of reverence. It's so much reverence that you surrender yourself to a more superior being. So they worship these spirits, they pay homage to them. In some places, they even sacrifice to those spirits. And then in some places, because a certain group of people or a leader would lust or crave for power and wealth, they subject themselves to these evil spirits and then subject their people to these spirits. And therefore, these demonic or fallen angels, not ghosts, not ancestors, not your great-great-great-grand-aunt coming back to lead the people. No, these are demonic spirits, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and they get the people to fall under the deception through trickery and manipulation. These places and people groups become demonic strongholds because of spiritual wickedness in high places. And that is very, very important. Okay, now I want you to understand, where evil prevails, the devil prevails. So when you come from a place where there is a lot of evil, vengeance, murder, promiscuity, corruption, or, or whatever, in that place, it becomes a demonic stronghold. And that spirit will take dominion of that place and of those people. And spiritual things will happen in those places. Now, these high places, this spiritual wickedness in high places, where these shrines are established, where these haunted houses are, you, you see, and even in a haunted house, people begin to tell stories, and then people pay homage to these spirits, and it gives them an atmosphere to reign in that place, and people will be living in a place where there is a demonic spirit. And the moment you repent from fearing or worshipping that thing and turn away and turn to God, we'll talk about that in a moment, but the moment you do that, that thing has no power over that place anymore. What are these high places and how are high places established and recognized? A high place is simply a place of worship on elevated or a high piece of ground. So high places that, are, that have spirits dominating over them will normally be places where there's mountains, hills, or any high ground. And then they are normally recognizable by an idol, wood carvings, old rocks, old trees, old buildings, you know, ancient ruins, and stuff like that, a piece of metal that's there, a disfigured piece of metal. Some places even have pictures, okay, wall painting, rock painting, ancient art, or things like that. And some people even, some places even have modern art that's dedicated to that place. But all these things are symbols that this is a place of ritual, that this is a high place, that this is a place dedicated to a false god, Remember, these things don't come and say that we're demons. They say we're ancestral spirits. They say we are gods. We are the river god. We are the mountain god. We are the god of life. We are the spring god. We are the god of vengeance or the spirit of vengeance. 
That's what they say, but they are actually demonic spirits. And then things are done, rituals are performed in honor or in worship and reverence of these spirits. And that place becomes a high place. Let's see what the Bible says, Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 30. And I will destroy your high places and cut down. Now listen to what he says about the high places and what is found in the high places, okay? I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols and my soul shall abhor you. So in this high place, there's images and there's idols. Idols can be made of stone, metal, or wood. So that's what's in this high place. Then we read Numbers 33 and verse 52. And he says, They shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. So in, in, in this one, they have pictures and molten images, all right, that are set up in the high places. And then if we go to Jeremiah 32 and verse 35, and they built high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. So they built Molech, a place that was sacrificing their babies and their children, and that's how the high place was declared. And Baal, some people say, some theologians, some scholars say that Baal is actually Satan himself. Think about that. In First Kings 11, 7 and 8, Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon, and likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So all these ancient traditions, sacrificing, drawing pictures and dancing in, in the temple of these fallen gods and giving uh, gifts and giving and building little statues and little images of these gods and dedicating high places, places of worship, Worship to these false gods, these high places, if not destroyed, become shrines. Okay, and every culture, every nation, every people group have some sort of shrine, and they establish these high places. And these high places are where demonic spirits rule. And when you listen to stories about these places, you listen to scary stuff, but all these are are demonic high places. These places were established as places of worship to false gods, which were actually demonic spirits. Even when you see, remember when Satan tempted Christ, when Christ had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, what does the Bible say? He took him to a high place. And there in the high place showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he asked Christ to fall down and worship him in a high place. Because the high place is established to worship Satan and his false gods. But we know that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he was having none of it. So these are high places and that's why we have these demonic shrines with a very strong spiritual presence. Now obviously the next question is, 
how do you destroy these high places? Well, according to what was done in the Old Testament, you simply tear them down. But honestly, these days, a lot of these places have been declared sacred ground. So if you tamper with any of the drawings or the images or the the statues, the rocks, the metal that's there, you may get into big, big trouble with the authorities in that nation. Some of these places have become so sacred that they're now even tourist attractions where people go and worship idols there or where people go to consult with the dead or experience the presence of the Spirit over there. I'm a believer and I live in a place where there's ghosts or now, as you've learned, demonic spirits. How do I overcome them? And do these places have power over me? Well, first of all, no, they do not have power over you because you are under the banner of Jesus Christ. So they have no power over you whatsoever. The devil does not have power over Christ in any way. You read in Second Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. This is not for you to do, okay? Don't go out there thinking you're wonderful and, oh, I'm pulling down strongholds, going up to the high places to tear the devil's kingdom down. You cannot tear the devil's kingdom down. Only Christ can, okay? We have no power in the spiritual world whatsoever. It is Christ who has all the power. So these preachers that say, I call the devil, I say, devil, you come and you sit down there and you listen to me. They're telling you lies, okay? Somebody who says that probably in cahoots with the devil. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And this is in your mind. Anything that you do that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, anything, things, money, people, places, anything that you cast those thoughts down and you repent. Because if the devil or the demonic spirits can get into your mind and they can establish themselves there, you become victim of haunted houses and high places You are manipulated and deceived through trickery by these demons into fear and in the end giving reverence and sometimes appeasing these spirits because in your mind you have said a spirit is more powerful than God and you have feared that spirit over God. You must bring every thought. This is 2 Corinthians 10.5 again. You must bring every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ. You have to condition your mind and you condition your heart that you are to be obedient and to serve Christ and your thoughts must be thoughts of worship, of purity. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, be there any a virtue, be there any a praise, these things you must think on and your mind must be given in seeking obedience to Christ. And when you do this, when your mind is centered on Christ and on obedience to Christ, you will overcome these demonic places. You will overcome these demonic high places in your own mind and they will not have power over you. When you are in Christ and somebody threatens you with spirits or with 
evil witchcraft, have no fear because you are in Christ. The moment you give fear over to that thing, yes, they have influence. And sometimes by talking about these things, believing in these things, confessing these things, you allow evil spirits into your home. And those evil spirits will then have control in that home. So give your mind to Christ, confess Christ, and seek a life of obedience. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this. I know it's been a help. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe. Okay, share this wherever you are. Give it a thumbs up, you know. Leave a comment if you have any questions. And if you have not already, please consider becoming a channel member. Just hit the join button there and you can choose on what level you'd like to be a channel member. And also, those of you that are not on Patreon with us, please head over to Patreon and you can become a Patreon there and support us on Patreon. For those of you that have been helping us move forward, God bless you and thank you, thank you very much. Amen. Um, God bless you again. Remember, as true disciples of Christ, we learn, we practice, and we teach because that's the only way to do it. I've been Don Pullen. This has been the Bible Truth Podcast, and I'm out.